welcome back to Descartes Pod. I'm Jenna, and this week we have a fucking doozy of a finale to recap for this, the 19th season of The Bachelorette. Gay chill. I'm severely disappointed that they didn't run off together, although they kind of did, and we'll get into that later. Um, but this week I have a very, very special guest and somebody I'm really excited to talk to who's going to be recapping the finale with us, but we're also going to be talking about her book a little bit up top as well, and I'm really excited about it. Um, if you, we're, we're going to avoid spoilers, but we're going to talk about this book and it's going to be really great, but if you just like don't want to hear and even the little bit is a spoiler, then you can like skip ahead a little bit, but it's going to be a really good conversation and I'm very excited for y'all to uh, hear our guest. Please welcome to the podcast, Samantha Allen. Hello. It's it's so wonderful to be here. <laughs> Long time listener, first time guest. <laughs> and I realized I still fucked it up because I wanted to say the name of the book. Okay. Samantha is the author of Patricia Wants to Cuddle, which is the book that I was talking about a couple months ago that came out during the summer. It is a queer bachelor horror book like come on it's the intersection of a lot of people's interests i'm hoping i was shooting for a very specific like venn diagram intersection that like i knew there were a lot of people in it but it took some convincing to publishers to like (laughs) prove that there were a lot of people in it um yeah it's a huge venn diagram we're very excited about this so yeah i'm really excited yeah that you're here we um we've been chatting for a while you interviewed danica and i uh last year for an article about The Bachelor, as well as some other individuals about... Is The Bachelor bachelor. worth saving? Like, why do we still need it or want it um, (laughs) at this point? Yeah. Heavens. Heavens. Um, No, but that was such a great experience, and it was really important, I think, to talk about that stuff and to look at the deeper intersectionality of like what this show is and how it's a microcosm of our society and how um there's a lot of you know progressive and queer individuals oh here's your cat you you warned us about i love real prime view there for you right in the booty hall y'all and i'm obsessed with it bye she Um, just wanted to do a quick little show off she was just saying hello bye (laughs) trust me i literally need it after the day i've had so Oh, uh, but the, there, you know, the thing is, is there is, there is progressive and there are queer audience of this show, right? Yeah, I mean, I, it's an interesting situation where like, it's still on network TV. Mm-hmm. And it's still like, on one of the channels you can get with like a free antenna, right? So like, mm-hmm. it's got to shoot for a pretty broad audience. But then like, mm-hmm. as it acquires younger viewers, those younger viewers are like more progressive, politically conscious, like, mm-hmm. um, they have they have grown up knowing that blackface is wrong. Um, like, yeah. you know, so I, the show's in a really interesting boat where I feel like maybe for the past few years now, they've been trying to like, balance like becoming like gen z savvy while also Mm -hmm. still like playing to their core market um it's yeah it's an interesting predicament it really is and it's something that truly keeps me up at night just thinking about that specific predicament like the the new generation of viewers with the old ones and how it all overlaps and how it has conflict, how it also, like, wants some of the same things, right? Like, I, as a viewer, as, like, a conscious viewer, 
I want, like, a love story. Like, I want some of the things that I think, like, the older generation of viewers still hold on to and want. But then, like, I also want it to be better. And I still wanted the show to, like, move into, like, the current century, you know? Yeah. Like, I at once do like that the show ends in an engagement. Like, I kind of don't want them to abandon it. But I would like it if they set up more of an atmosphere in which those engagements could become successful. Like, they they live together in lockdown somewhere for, like, a month Mm -hmm. after the show on ABC's Mm -hmm. Dime. And I guess to avoid spoilers, the runner-up would have to get, like, a free, like, solo (laughs) cruise around the world and, like... A hat and a false mustache, or something like that. But like, iconic. That's actually yeah. No, I love that. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. So yeah, before we get into kind of uh, some of the more uh, deeper discourse of the franchise and the show and how it relates to the finale that we saw, because it is all tied together, let's talk about Patricia wants to cuddle. This book, y'all. I know I I try to like tell y'all to read and do things all the time on our Instagram account, but I cannot stress to you enough how you need to go and buy this book immediately. It was the best thing I read this summer. I just powered through it and I was so mad. I DM'd Samantha right afterwards. I said, I need more. I need you to fucking write a sequel. I don't even know how you would, but I need this. I need more of these characters. Oh, I have an idea. I it will oh. <laughs> it will yes. never uh it will never come to pass, but my idea <laughs> is the Patricia in the title um, is a lady Bigfoot. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's a spoiler by now. If you look at reviews or even the blurbs or the cover, which has a big furry <laughs> ape hand on it. But my my idea for the sequel is Patricia wants to EGOT. And it would be about <laughs> like Hollywood like tries to capture Patricia to do a film adaptation of my first book. And Patricia mm-hmm. like murders all of the like producers and directors <laughs> and camera crew or something. Beautiful. Um, I love it. <laughs> that will have to be my own fan fiction, though. I don't think I'll actually <laughs> query that with with publishers. Smart, smart, smart. So, I mean, yeah, do you want to give us a little bit of, like, rundown on, like, you know, what what compelled you to write this story? And then, like, uh, yeah, where you're coming from? Because, like, I mean, you are obviously a, a, a long-standing, like, viewer of the show, um, how long have you been watching? And yeah, like, kind of, what's the story of this book, or you know, how you got it here? I've been watching since Andy Dorfman's season, mm-hmm. and like, I think I was really captivated by it because, um, yeah, not knowing anything about anyone on that season besides what appeared on my screen, it was like, wow, like this woman is like carrying herself with like the bearing of royalty, and like, yeah. like mm-hmm. really. I I thought that she was a great bachelorette in terms of, like, fulfilling the role. Mm -hmm. And the show since then, I feel like, this is an aside, but, like, has started to kind of, like, not imbue the leads with as much power and authority, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. like, that's been an interesting slide for me to watch over the last years. But that's when I really got into it. And I am also really into horror movies. And... Mm -hmm. Basically, it was like, wait, these two forms of media have the same structure, like a slasher movie like Friday the 13th and The Bachelor are both 
elimination style contests in which people get sent home or killed off like one by one. And we're watching for the same reason. Like we want to find out who the final girl is going to be. Gender neutral final girl, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anyone can be the final girl. girl. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, on the internet, everyone's a girly. But Yeah. yeah, so like... Like, that basic idea had been in my head basically since then, um, but I oh, wow. I didn't really, like, commit to it. And then during the pandemic, like, a lot of people, it was my time to be like, let me do the wild mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. that, like, I've always wanted to try but never had the time or mental real estate to do. And so mm-hmm. I decided to write a novel that was basically, like, a send-up of Bachelor-style dating shows through like a horror creature feature slasher kind of lens. So thus Patricia was born. It's it's about a reality dating show called The Catch that goes mm-hmm. terribly wrong when they film on a remote Pacific Northwest island and um, run into the eponymous Patricia. It's so, yeah, I have like chills. That's such a beautiful story because it is, it's so similar, those two genres and that is so compelling. I think that's like a lot of, you're right, like the reason we're still watching this is we're just like, that is such an interesting, like, uh, yeah, like a concept, a genre, seeing who's going to be, who's going to be at the end and things like that. And it does really fit, fit with slashers and the horror genre. Um, yeah, the book is really awesome. It's obviously, yeah, as Samantha said, it's, it's, um, playing in the space of, like, uh, reality dating. It's not obviously a one-to-one comparison to um, any particular show. And what I enjoyed about that is that it does bring elements of, you know, the show that we watch, but, you know, other shows. And just, like, just, like, our current society and the way we are, you know, engaged with, like, influencer culture. Yeah. And things of that nature that was just so... uh really entertaining and felt relatable and like I felt at home reading the book that is great to hear yeah Mm. I mean the benefit of writing from the perspective of like contestants there are four contestants that it alternates Mm -hmm. between is like you can kind of be honest about their interiority and their motivations for being on the show which you don't Mm -hmm. get in the document itself as gore Mm -hmm. calls it you know like (laughs) when someone like you know on brendan and and piper on bachelor in paradise like actually says the word instagram out loud like a five alarm fire like siren goes off but like writing from the perspective of contestants i could be honest Mm -hmm. that like most of them are there for um glams to pics followers which is my my fake instagram name that I was very proud of and that my partner hated. <laughs> I was like, lamps to pics, it's perfect. She was like, it's it's, it's cheesy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. But that is like the space that you were in. And like, yeah, being within the um, contestants' heads really does paint that a lot of this is so cheesy. Like, um, was I believe Amanda is the one that is like, goes out and does like, you know, um, photo shoots yeah, uh, she's kind of like the fashion vlogger, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. like one of the Revolve, like, mm-hmm. you know, contestants. Yeah, yeah. Is that what the company's called? It the, is, it yeah. is, yeah. Um, and I really loved her character, too, though, because, like, while 
I mean, you just, yeah, you wrote everyone really well in a way that, like, you know, there are flaws and, you know, parts of each character that you're, you, you know, you dislike or you, you, the, what's happening. But, you know, like, I also, as somebody who does, like, content creation and things like that, you know, I, and I am friends and know people who do influencer work. Like, it is a job, right? And so, like, Amanda talks about it in herself of, like, you know, this is work. Like, yeah, it might seem cheesy, that I'm doing this for glamps to pick, but I'm like, it is still like, I don't know. It's, it was fascinating. Yeah. You know, like when I started out, I thought it was going to be kind of like a more straightforward, like I'm going to mock like these contestants, like Mm -hmm. I'm like, we're going to, and I certainly encourage people to laugh at the character's expense. Like this is a really funny book, even though I sound like a grad student when I talk out loud, I'm realizing (laughs) Uh, yeah, the academic past dies hard, but like, um, by the time I finished writing it, I realized like how much I had tried to really humanize everyone and Mm -hmm. like, and sort of relate to them. Cause like, Mm -hmm. we are all of us like in this weird dystopian late capitalist stage of like trying to like generate content and self brand to stay alive especially if we work anywhere adjacent to like the arts or media or that mm-hmm. kind of thing my work so as an true. author is is sadly not at all that dissimilar to like being an instagram influencer it's just a different yeah. kind of like work and so yeah i wanted yeah. us to like laugh but also to like see the connection between yeah, yeah. what we do yeah. and what someone who appears on a show like the bachelor does mm-hmm. so good yeah <laughs> yeah the humanize of it all oh so good i um, mean you and- know like as an author like a lot of mm-hmm. what you're doing when you sell a book is like you're like telling publishers like i have this many twitter followers i promise i can like get these people to tweet about it like you know like it like mm-hmm. the influencer economy is like everywhere you know it it is isn't just restricted to like advertising clothes or tummy tea it is like um mm-hmm. yeah if you are it's or it, like you hear musicians talk about it saying like the label wants me to like do a tiktok song <laughs> like Jesus Christ. no it's so true they're not gonna let me eat um no i I, I, it's, it's so true, even with the campaign that I'm working on for body diversity in the franchise, um, when we wrote our press release to send to people, I, I had to sell, I had to sell myself as a, as a part of this, because I had, I have some minor credits, right? Like, in the franchise, not much, but, you know, like, I've been on some podcasts, I've, like, been interviewed in these certain uh, publications about my opinions on the podcast, or the franchise, and so, like, even on that level, like, I'm trying to make a a equity campaign to get, like, you know, diversity, and I'm still being like, well, you can see, you know, co-founder Jenna on these and this and this, like, yeah. it all, like, because it is true, and, like, you have to sell yourself, so... I think we we shit on these contestants so much for their selling of things, but that's like my least of my problems with the franchise <laughs> and the contestants. It's the least of my problems. I, I, I say go do it, please. Yeah, we all have to make money somewhere. And yeah, no, you're mm-hmm. right. It's like we're all clawing for like space in an attention economy. And if you have an important thing that you care about, like you have to wrap yourself up in these like marketing techniques to like actually accomplish the thing that you care about. I know with 
like roses for everybody. I'm sure it was like, like sending out press releases, trying to like get someone to cover it. And then like once one outlet covers it, another outlet will cover it. Or once one like really Mm -hmm. prominent contestant talks about it, then this podcaster will talk about it. And it's like this cascading thing. But until you start like climbing that ladder, getting some of those obstacles down, it feels like screaming into a void, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Ugh, it's so rough. Um, and we still feel like we're screaming into a void, to be honest. Um, but, but it's stressful, <laughs> right? I mean, it is sorry to yeah. ramble, no. but yeah, like Patricia, the creature was imagined as this like prehistoric like interruption to this like dystopian attention economy we're in it's like what Mm -hmm. if like all of this like accelerated information that we're all swimming in every day like in, in this nightmarish way just like came to a halt because you were confronted with like an eight foot tall bigfoot just like <laughs> staring at you because in that moment like you would think it would all go away yeah yeah or, or maybe not it's hard to say <laughs> love it well and then so then there's an element of queerness to it that i really thought was beautiful and um important um because there are books out there that try to tackle the bachelor like shows um with commentary on the concept of it all um and i think that part was fascinating because uh, I mean, I guess it's just, like, different because, like, when I talk about how The Bachelor is quite queer, um, I'm, like, referring to, like, the stereotypes of queerness, you know, the U-Haul of it, the dating your friends of it, the trauma dumping on the first date of it, but, like, you bring a different element of queerness to this in, the, in the, just, like, a personal way, and I found that beautiful. Do you have, um like, your process with that or? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was, like, you know, I had seen some contestants, especially female contestants, starting mm-hmm. to come out as bi, like, after mm-hmm. filming. And mm-hmm. in my work as, like, a reporter before this, like, if you're looking at, like, nationwide, like, LGBTQ demographic statistics, it's, like, the the rise in the number of young people identifying as LGBTQ has been driven largely by, like, young women especially coming out as bisexual. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, mm-hmm. The Bachelor has cast how many, like, women by now? Like, there must be so many bi mm-hmm. girls on mm-hmm. that show who, like, feel like they can't come out or who are grappling with these feelings like while filming the show, I am sure there have been house romances or like drunken oh kisses. God. Like I am sure that has taken place. Right. And so like, you know, I have a character in, in the book who's kind of like exploring her own sexuality and like trying to come to terms with that. And so, yeah, the book is also kind of like a metaphor for like, coming out amid a, like, heteronormative backdrop. Um, Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so good. But I'm, yeah, I bring a lot of personal stuff to it. Like, I'm a queer, like, viewer myself. I'm an out trans woman. And so, like, 
watching the show, like when I started watching, I was like, I sort of love that it's just like a parade of heterosexuality. Like I used to say, like, I watch it for the same reason that straight people watch RuPaul. It's like the the Bachelor is like straight drag. It's like heterosexuality like turned up to 11 to like this almost parodic degree like throw out gender trouble and just watch you know chris's whole season of the bachelor like and, and we'll get all the same place. <laughs> but but i you know i like it's like especially after seeing more contestants come out i was like well that entertainment value for me is not worth the like actual human suffering that that puts like closeted queer contestants Mm -hmm. through so So maybe the show should evolve yeah yeah i think there's a yeah there's something to be said for that for sure but yeah i recently have come to like the realization that I do love how the show mocks like heteronormativity and also just mocks like love in general um I find that very like good for me because I have a lot of like nihilistic thoughts about the subject matter and so (laughs) I like I think that's like I that's why I'm like I love it because it's like mocks it but I also there's like still part of me that's like oh you know but yeah the element of um uh yeah coming coming out in a backdrop so so hetero is so is so beautiful because it's literally what has happened on our show and then also yeah in real the real world and other things like that so that's so that's really yeah. fascinating i am yeah. like dying for like a becca tilly like tell all mm-hmm. interview mm-hmm. or Please. memoir or something yeah. like i um she just did come uh, do a podcast with Haley finally um and I haven't had a chance to listen to it. Um, but I, I hope that there's there's probably some good details in that. I've heard it's good. Yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's such a beautiful... That was a really beautiful experience as well to watch um, her, you know, um, come out with, with Haley that way. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm sure there's some really good, really good dialogue that she could add to the conversation of being closeted oh i love the idea of these women smooching (laughs) that's why i love watching the show too is like the like because like you mentioned like ways in which the show itself by virtue Mm -hmm. of its like weird contrived format almost kind of like queers some aspects of heterosexual dating like it definitely puts people in more like protracted homosocial time than they maybe have experienced up to that point like Mm -hmm. how many straight women unless they were in a sorority which i guess maybe a lot of them were have like lived in a house with like 30 Mm -hmm. women that long and how many of those guys like you know you're taking men who are probably like at nightclubs like every weekend and -hmm. plucking them into a context where like literally all they can do like is talk to other men apart from like a 90 minute like date a week or whatever (laughs) oh my god that's so (laughs) but like that's the thing too is i'm like well how many bi women come from sororities you know like how many like experiences you know manifest from those those yeah homo situations of sorts oh my god that's so great 
Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So y'all, you really do have to read this book. Um, the link will be in our bio as well as it's in Samantha's bio that I'll, I'll attach to everything, but yeah, make sure you read this book cause it's, it's so, it's so beautiful and it really does, um, speak to a lot of these bigger themes, but it's also just so fun and funny and, um, you just want it to, you want it to kind of be real. Like I wanted it to be real. <laughs> I just wanted it to be real. It could be. Patricia could, could be, be out there. Um, I think she is. I mean, it's also very twilighty, you know, because I love a huge twi hard. And so, yeah, being in that Northwest like island of it all was very like, Hmm, I like this. Have you been to Forks? <laughs> yeah. I just went like two months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you need to go to Orcas Island, which was mm-hmm. the inspiration for um, mm-hmm. Otter's Island, the setting of Patricia. You can complete your Pacific Northwest um, spooky books tour. I, I absolutely need to. That's so good. I'm, um, I'm also a former Mormon and um, Stephanie, what's your face? You know, current Mormon. So mm-hmm. there's something in the water. Truly, I mean, oh my god! I like, I just look up at the books. I have them all displayed above me, like um, an altar. So <laughs> that franchise was so interesting to me. Is like a kind of an export of like Mormon purity culture through mm-hmm. a vampire story. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, that was interesting for me to watch. Like, I was like, I didn't know these ideas had so much mainstream appeal. Um, they really do. It really overlaps with like just like general purity culture, but yeah, Mormon specific purity culture. But then, um, oh, yeah, it really does. It it it. There's a reason it's so um, like obsessed over, you know. But then it's so problematic, and it it you know as an adult, you know, who's like 37, like I'm rereading him, and I'm like, clearly, everyone here is a piece of shit. But, like, I'm still, I mean, I'm still, like, you know, in, invested in it because it's, it's, for me, it's nostalgia, of course. Yeah. And, um, and that's not, you can't, you can't, you can't buy that. Um, that's just how you feel. So, but it is, it's a, it's a problematic franchise, but it, it's, it's compelling, you know, much like the one we are currently <laughs> dealing with. Indeed. Um, yeah. So let's get into the recap a little bit and then we'll round up a little bit if you have any final thoughts on, your book and letting people know where to find you. We'll do that at the end. But, um, God, where do we even start, y'all? <laughs> what a finale. What a finish. What? Oh, boy. Um, I think we all knew that this would be a hard season because of the two leads element. And um, I was excited for the newness that we brought to the season by that dynamic of any just anything that was different was going to be good to me but it had it was i mean almost too much right like the the finale was like truly not like we've seen in a way so mm. yeah i feel like maybe should have thought more about the format before beginning <laughs> like it was mm-hmm. not a good sign from the start when uh jesse palmer came out there and was like so guys how are we gonna do this i was like wait wait you don't know <laughs> i mean of course production must have known how it was gonna be handled but still like 
it it felt a little t- i was excited by how fresh it felt but then also like when it seemed like they were winging it i was like oh i am nervous like when mm-hmm. it was like rachel tried to give a rose to somebody and they rejected so they had to take away rachel's rose and it seemed like the idea had just occurred to them that like oh no we have to take a rose now i was like oh man this is a mess <laughs> And that feeling has not has not really left. <laughs> no, not quite, has it? Yeah. So basically, we are not going to go like part by part recap. We're going to just talk about the main talking points. So, you know, let's get into the Rachel and Tina of it all. We see that she basically goes to we get a somber viewing in the in the live audience, of course, of um, Rachel and Gabby. Looking stunning, but um, very kind of like, oh, this is not going to go well. I mean, actually, we start with, like, Jesse silent. The entire audience is silent. They're blacked out. <laughs> yeah, it was very, like, <laughs> somber. Uh, speaking of Mormonism, it was like the start of a general conference session. That's a deep cut for you, uh, Wasatch Front uh, Rocky Mountain <laughs> listeners. But yeah, it, and then there was this like sudden tonal shift of like, yay, we're watching The Bachelor live. It was like, everyone is heartbroken. And welcome to the live three hour finale. And the lights come up and like, I was like, ooh, <laughs> whiplash here. Literally, he's like, let's find out if our lucky ladies are engaged. We're like, you know that they're, like, one of them's not. Yeah, well, and didn't he also mention Tino's indiscretions in the intro? And I was like... Like, I had just watched the last episode to, like, freshen up. And I was like, you would not know about Tino's indiscretions if you hadn't been on social media. So, like, you're giving away the shock value of that conversation. Um, So true. Yeah. So weird. Um, And, you know, the long story short of it, she goes to tell Tino that he's the only one left. And isn't that wonderful? He looks like he just heard somebody's dog died. (laughs) Like, he is like, I don't, okay, well, great. And then he starts, like, smiling, and he's like, oh, this is wonderful. But I'm like, could you even try? He seems very single-minded at this moment of just, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like, real, real, like, winning mindset. Like, I just, like, mm-hmm. want to mm-hmm. win this thing and, and mm-hmm. go home. Like, mm-hmm. he also, I know, like, a lot of people have done face comparisons for him. I have, like, a vintage one. He looks like... Robert Mitchum to me like the old Hollywood actor who's in anyway go look him up wikipedia well some people will enjoy that oh my god yeah he's he's an interesting looking guy I mean I've been quite mean to him online and I don't take any of it back but (laughs) um yeah it's it's just it's just so clear that I, it's not clear. I we we are not um we are not armchair diagnosing anybody here, but this man, this might be the first time I can actually say gaslighting and have people not yell at me for it. <laughs> no, but he it, it's not really gaslighting. It's just the way he like maneuvers these conversations with Rachel. Always has the entire season. This made me feel uncomfortable. I don't like this part. Hey, it's perfect. It's fine. My parents love you. I love you. Everything is okay. And 
it just goes to show how, like, I, I just don't feel like he really, like, truly loved her. Yeah, I mean, part of this too, and I've been thinking about the Tino and Rachel of it all for a while, is like, they're both like 25 or 26, Mm -hmm. right? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. And this is like part of what happens when like people Mm -hmm. on the show are like, Mm -hmm. in their early or like just entering Mm -hmm. their mid 20s is like, all of your identity is coming from a relationship. You are like clinging to mm-hmm. connections with mm-hmm. desperation that makes you do ill-advised things. And mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like we often do get into like armchair diagnosis mode where we're like, this is gaslighting. This is narcissism. This is mm-hmm. sociopathy. Mm-hmm. This is this or whatever. And <laughs> psychologizing <laughs> everyone. And like a lot of it is just like they are, they are young and they're, they're, prefrontal cortexes are just squishy little balls of play-doh and like it is gonna be a whole mess like trying to fall in love under these conditions with uh, with uh early 20s brain yeah okay very good yeah very very good point because i mean at some point too i was always like honestly they're perfect for each other though because they're just like the right kind of yeah, seeking this validation um, in a relationship and kind of messy and dramatic um, and kind of emotional, you know? Yeah, like I think they will both learn a lot from (laughs) this experience in the way that like, I think a lot of us have relationships from our like 20s under our belt Mm -hmm. that did not last Mm -hmm. forever and in which Mm -hmm. we were all not perfect to each other but that like we used the lessons of it to like hopefully like Mm -hmm. (laughs) treat subsequent partners better more respectfully Mm -hmm. in more healthy Mm -hmm. ways and I feel Mm -hmm. like The Bachelor is often like inadvertently capturing like a lot of those relationships unless you put people in their 30s on there and then (laughs) things look a little different a little bit um so they get engaged and then we find out right after (laughs) jesse's like uh so rachel how are things and she's like not good um you know we had like some rough patches and things were kind of messy and it was on both of us and we were we were going through our patches but we were back like we were working through things and things were going in a good direction and then tino told me that he cheated on me yeah Eh. the aforementioned indiscretions we never really got like clarity on like what it is they uh, clarity oh my god (laughs) i'm gonna give myself some grace for using the word clarity right now Um, (laughs) the buzzwords have infected my brain but we didn't really get like clarity on like what the rough patch was and when tino seemed to want to talk about it rachel like shot daggers out of her eyes of like we are not talking about this like on camera but like it it's clear that like something happened like as the show was starting to air that Mm -hmm. was causing tension for them and yeah it was just like this endless circle in their conversation of rachel was like i want to know everything that happened and i want to know why and tino like trying to minimize it but then also contextualize it but the second he tries to like contextualize it she's like no do you think that justifies it and he's like no i don't think it justifies it but i do want to like say what happened and she's like oh you really want to say what happened and i was like we are 
we are mm-hmm. on the Ferris wheel, just like yeah. That is a good point. I do, I do think, yeah, I. It is such a messy relationships are messy. You know, I understand. I did understand him trying to contextualize things, but he was going about it not great, in my opinion. When you start um, off like that, you're yeah. not gonna really get like the no. room to like no. do that, and it just seemed mm-hmm. like. When he starts off by minimizing it, like, even, I think, you know, even if Rachel says she wants to know, like, what he was thinking or why it happened, like, that's, that's a trap. Like, don't, don't walk into that. Like, just be like, I was wrong. It was selfish. Like, you know. I was in a bad place, but, like, I have only myself to blame for, like, that Mm -hmm. lapse or, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. Because cheating happens. I've talked about on the podcast. I've cheated before, you know, in my past life. And it's not good. And it's it's a bad thing to do to a partner. But, um, yeah, there are, like, context things that can help the person who did the cheating not do it again. Right. Um, but yeah, the person who is affected by it, you know, doesn't necessarily need to be, it, have it being minimized or excused. And there is just like an element of, yeah, just, I don't know. I mean, there's just like, it, it happened so quickly too. I'm just like, you guys went through like, essentially just like one major like rough patch and you already like are doing this i don't think i don't think it means tino's like a fucking monster i just think that like obviously a little worried about it honestly i mean true like it's just but i don't know it's just is it was such a mess (laughs) yeah no i want i want both of them to find uh healing i and Mm -hmm. tino to learn a very important lesson about cheating and rachel to learn a lesson about like picking someone who meshes better with you than just Mm -hmm. kind of chasing mere infatuation which i feel Mm -hmm. like is Mm -hmm. like a recurring theme of like contest i feel like of all the seasons I watch, we often get down to this wire of like, here's the person that would actually like make sense with you and provide a really good foundation for a lasting relationship. And here's the person you like are just salivating for or have this like almost childlike fascination with. And they usually go for the latter. Like, and I, I feel like that often even like happens like, across genders i know the bachelorette Mm -hmm. has more of a success rate but i think Mm -hmm. we see this season like Mm -hmm. bachelorettes picking people where they're like oh i just really like love putting my hand in his mullet or something like that (laughs) you know (laughs) whereas like you know i feel like honestly i don't know i don't Mm want to get into prognostication but i feel like being with jason like might be a better long-term like life yeah that's what i was like i'm still like oh jason (laughs) lasted um and then like avon you know like avon was a great example for somebody who would have provided a little bit more of a stable you know place for them to build a relationship and you know so speaking of him after they do their 20 minutes of circle talking um they 
Yeah, I mean, this was fucked up. Y'all, this was fucked up. I didn't like this at all for many reasons. Like, one, like, Rachel was, like, literally, like, I don't know what to say anymore. I'm done talking. I can't, like, talk anymore. I feel very, like, upset. And then Jesse's like, okay, well, thank you. Anyway, before we go, we have somebody to bring out here. He's, like, smiling and shit. I'm like, this is really mean. And then it was mean to Tino, and he doesn't deserve this level of mean. Like, this yeah. is, like, wild. And then it's also mean to Avon, because it's just, like, using him as, like, a prop. A prop, yeah. Yeah. Especially after, like, um, him not, like, getting very much airtime at all. Or, like, didn't his hometown date also get, like, appended to, like, another yep. episode or something like yep. that? And it's like, well, Rachel's, like, most interesting, most dynamic, like most pragmatic romantic option is like is just yeah being used to create like this moment of drama that then leaves like jesse palmer and tino like standing on stage and like jesse palmer just being like well uh i guess bye or whatever and it's like (laughs) we you need to like give this man like access to his therapist like right now like she needs to be backstage like waiting for him jesus christ oh it's so brutal because they essentially just had the same conversation that they had in that like happy couple pre-filmed visit again on the stage it was like the beat for beat identical like yeah literally and we didn't get anything. We just, like, didn't, yeah, you're going to either kind of believe either side or you're going to think both of them are are in need of some help. And I think that's what we're signing on because um, Rachel does need to work on herself a little bit more. Um, yeah, so we did not like that. But And then they also just, like, and I believe the criticism is true. Like, the way that the franchise has treated Rachel versus Gabby is so blatant and obvious and... The way the fr- the fan base is treating them is also the same. And they just, like, fucking swept her off stage. Like, bye-bye now. Yeah. I mean, I I do feel, like, really bad for her because there is so much fan love for Gabby. And that must have felt really, like, shitty for her. And, like, despite claims of, like, we're not going to pit them against each other, it's, like, impossible given the format not to constantly be comparing yourself to, like, Mm -hmm. your co-lead. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what she was dealing with. I don't want to speculate, but, like... Oh, right, yeah, as far as, like, in the beginning of the filming, or the airing time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but, like, uh, you know, if so, Mm -hmm. that makes me feel even worse about, like, a lot of the comments and fan reaction Mm -hmm. to her i just sort of think it speaks also to like like i hope that this experience doesn't traumatize her and i don't think you necessarily need to have like perfect actualized self-love to like be in a relationship but i do feel like it helps to have a little more like Mm -hmm. confidence and self-affirmation going Mm -hmm. on so that like Mm -hmm. when you're seeking partners you can be seeking partners like for the relationship and not because they make you feel something about herself because like yeah like Rachel is worthy of love she deserves Mm -hmm. to love herself Mm -hmm. and um if she can let that self-love into her heart it'll be like so much easier to like um find healthier connections elsewhere 
Absolutely. You really, you really put that. I was trying to say something like that all season of just like, she is just, and and it's literally no fault on her own. Like this is her age. This is like the society. This is all these things, but just really, yeah. Seeking a relationship for like validation versus like for what the relationship could actually just be. And I have the same criticism in a lot of ways to the men, especially Tino, um, the season specifically, but others of men in the other seasons too, have always just like, oh, I love her because the way she, she makes me a better person. And I it's just like, that drives me up the wall. Yeah. Name one reason you actually love this person, not because of how it reflects on you. Yeah. Or the way you make me feel or that kind of thing. Because eventually someone just sitting there and being like, you're pretty, you're funny, you're cool, like that, that high wears off and you actually have to like, um, like, live together and do things together because like you you think oh i love the way you make me feel well how are you gonna you need to love them more than that because how are they gonna make you feel when they ask you to do the dishes you know like that feeling is not always gonna be there and that's okay but so you need to have other reasons for the love other than how it makes you feel (laughs) yeah or you need to get sponsored by a dishwasher company you know yeah that Mm -hmm. that will take care of the dish problem I mean, please. Just do a couple's post about the dishwasher. Oh, please, please. Um, So let's speak of also interesting relationships to love and validation. We'll move on to our friend, Gabby, who also only had one man left. um, And his name is Eric. And he is a little bit of a turd. Um, (laughs) Uh, Just a smidge. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to put it on the show, like, that they did not, like, talk about the blackface photo. Oh, yes, absolutely. On like, the show. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that is, like, letting him off easy for it mm-hmm. and seeing today, mm-hmm. like, reactions mm-hmm. from Thomas, Rachel Lindsay, and others, like, it's just, like it's clear that that sends a message to like viewers and fans of like, Mm -hmm. Oh, we think we can get away with like not talking about this where like, I came away from that less like, Oh, like Eric and more like, Oh really? Like in a three hour finale, we could not do like a 10 minute conversation about this. And I don't like the gesture of like, sort of skimming across the surface of some of these controversial issues and then being like, oh, well, thank you for talking about it. I know it's so brave and hard to talk about or something like that, because that often takes up more space than like actually even talking about the issue itself. It's like such an eagerness to like brush past it that they're like, hear these texts from your ex. Uh, you said a sentence about it, and then it's like, that was so brave of you to, like, say one sentence about your feelings. Oh my god, you're so right, though. Absolutely. I, yeah, I had a couple DMs today that were, like, uh, in very good faith. They're, like, close friends to the thing. They were just like, but, like, what would that conversation have looked like? Would that conversation have been good? Would it have added much to the discourse? And it's like, no, the answer is like, no, you know, it wouldn't have been handled well. And it really absolutely would have been wrapped up with Jesse being, thank you so much for taking your time to do this. And you're, yeah, so brave of you. Like we would have been like, they were just congratulating themselves for having this moment on, on TV, which would not have been good. I mean, they, and it's just, it's such a hard spot because like, 
then you're like, okay, so then maybe should there have been a black, uh, like, um, educator on the stage, you know, to help facilitate this conversation. They but it's kind like of like already labor. did that. In a, yeah, they in, did that. It didn't that work didn't out really great. Work out. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, uh, so you, it's like, that's not the case. And then it's like, no, white people should be talking about this and having the hard conversations. So like the dream is that they just would have had the conversation and have it been kind of messy and hard, you know, and actually use the words like racism and blackface versus like what you know, is happening right now with other people. Like, you know, like Gabby did an interview today on a podcast. She never said those words. She did have, like, it was a, you know, a somewhat nuanced conversation with Michelle and um, Becca, but, you know, she still even didn't say those words. And, you know, Eric didn't say those words either. He just called it insensitive and wrong, you know. But it's like, so that is the conversation we would have had had it actually happened, and that's not great, and I agree with you. It's just... It is sad to see that it is the the other message that is being sent now is that, you know, they do think that they can, like, get away with it. And I know, like, Caitlin Bristow went on Instagram today and said that she believed that they were going to have a conversation. Yeah. So I think that means that Becca and Michelle and her really thought they were there to help facilitate that conversation. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, Likely. A- any conversation would have been better than none at all i'm i'm Mm -hmm. convinced of that like Mm -hmm. um i yeah because it's like we you know they talk about bachelor nation all the time like they're clearly like seeing the show as like not just an entertainment product but as like a community Mm -hmm. of people Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. like instead of like having this aversion to talking about that aspect of the show or like giving a cryptic closing credits message of like we hear you out there like we mm-hmm. hope we're, you're using your decoder rings to like understand <laughs> what we mean right now like fold those <laughs> issues into some of these like like lengthy live episodes like mm-hmm. have jesse say like on stage like we know that when, like, contestants come on the show with, like, racist photos from their past, that that affects our fans and it affects, like, our show family, which includes former and current contestants. And, like, I don't know. I just feel like... That's a really... No, that's a beautiful... It, it, that... That is so much, truly. And I, and we're two white individuals, so we're yeah. not saying that like that's the only thing that needs to be said or done. But, like, really just acknowledging the harm really goes a long way. And what I've, you know, like, sat and heard is, like... So, yeah, I I think that would have gone so far for him to have just acknowledged. We know that this happens and has happened and it did happen. And that it's not great and that we're going to work to get better. And, like, you know, yeah, those are hollow words on many levels. But, like... I don't know. Part of me is like, there's people who need to hear that. There's people who are watching the show that need to hear that. Yeah. And it's, it's such, uh, you would think that they would be motivated if not by like, you know, <laughs> like justice, morality, etc., to by like wanting to preserve the show as an entertainment product to like, try to like, you know, screen people <laughs> better. Right. Yeah, like, like, yeah. like, yeah. cause it, swallows up the show itself where by the time these seasons are ending we're talking more about like what has transpired on social media and people's text messages and old photos than we are about like what's on the screen they really haven't adapted to the the modern era the instagram era you know 
Yeah, yeah. And it's not that I have the exact answers, except for that, like, yeah, but I mean, like, that is also internet culture, as you do talk about it. Like, I don't know. Like, they would be so better off if they just kind of talked about it. It's, it's, this is truly, truly, truly not the same on any level. But when this spit gate happened recently with Harry Styles and Chris Pine, <laughs> uh-huh. and everyone was like, a buzz about it, you know, three days later, Harry Styles says, oh, I just flew back from France where I spit on Chris Pine. Like, that was, again, this is not the same thing, but like, once somebody just like, acknowledged it and like, kind of put it to bed, people like, stopped freaking out about it, you know? And so it's just like, them ignoring things that are happening on social media is not helping them. They need to like, acknowledge things. And, like, I don't say put it to bed. We don't put the racism to bed. But, like, just, I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean. You need to, like, say it out loud. Yeah, and that's what they did. with like blackface uh, and racism on, like, the broadcast. Um, Right? Yeah. It's, like, like a very basic starting point, I think. Such a basic starting point. And, like, do you watch any, do you watch any other shows? Like, I, what is, what, what do the housewives do? Because I know that they do a bunch of fucking crazy racist shit all the time. (laughs) Do they talk about it on their, like, little after show? Does that guy, like, call them out on their fucking shit? I am, like, not in the Bravo-verse. I've mostly been watching F-Boy Island and some Love Island and that kind of thing. But, like, that newer generation of shows is, like, a little more self-conscious about, like, this product also exists like as a social product outside of it it feels a little less vacuum sealed than like the bachelor tries to be and i don't know like it 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 will need to open up like it breaks my heart seeing like thomas's post today or something Mm -hmm, like that mm -hmm. where it's just like oh like you're really like sending a message and this is how you start to like alienate people from the franchise and like no longer want to associate it with it like what happened with like Rachel Lindsay and it's like mm-hmm. y- this mm-hmm. will keep happening like yeah. until you like make good on the, the, like the promises that you made in 2020 and like um and like actually yeah like incorporate these issues into the show itself instead of like panicking when they come up yeah yeah you'd think at this point they'd be more prepared because it literally happens every season (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um you would think they would just pay a person to help them figure out how to say some of this shit blah blah blah. i don't i agree that jesse would have fumbled this but he also like and i i was just on a group i was just on a zoom meeting before this um with um uh some people, when we were talking about it, all this, and it's like, he would have messed this up. And they, and they were like, oh, maybe they were afraid he would pull, like, a Chris Harrison with you know, on the extra TV, et cetera. And I'm just like, well, fucking train his ass. Like, that's what you have um, millions of dollars for. Like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Like, that's not an excuse. Yeah. It give him something, <laughs> something to do besides I mean, them. truly. <laughs> smiling (laughs) where do you stand on on the jesse of it all do you feel like he has actual empathy when he says things like i know this is so hard i can see the emotion on your face rachel or do you feel like it's just lines being recited i think it's lines being recited i think jesse the human 
is probably a pretty empathetic normal man. Not so he's a man, so he wouldn't be empathetic. But um, no, but I think he's probably not a monster truly on his own. But I think he is leaning into the Harrison of it all. Like I think he's he's playing a character. He's playing a character, and they I probably instruct like him too. to do it. I've been fascinated by this because, as alluded to earlier, I am I am in the pit, and it's been yes. fascinating to me to watch the two hosts of Gore sort of like not bicker, but like go back and forth about whether Jesse Plummer is like an empathetic king or like a, like a sadistic uh, like yeah. Hellraiser Cenobite. Like, um, I think he he is what he's doing on screen is evil. Yeah, it feels like Cenobite to is, me on screen. Yeah, whether that's who he is as a person, I don't know, but he is la- he is loving it. Like he is like. Mm. <laughs> the suffering it is delicious like he's like living for the suffering so yeah, yeah like whatever that means ultimately I, he's he's doing that well i will give him that and for me that's kind of what i want in a host like i don't want them to be tortured or anything but like i i do want somebody i can just kind of project my fucking like my anger at like i do I, that's what i want <laughs> for this. yeah if i have to have a male host like a white male host i want him to be somebody i can be like fuck you <laughs> Jesse Palmer is like, Rachel Reckia, I have such sights to show you. And then, sorry, horror movie references will abound with me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, there's that. Um, And then just, yeah, they, you know, they, whatever, they get engaged and then we pull them on stage and, um, you know, we find out about the drama that they are willing to talk about, which is this woman released some text messages last week that exposed Eric for um, intentionally coming on the show to get um, internet clout and opportunities and that he had hoped the woman would stay waiting for him and that he even texted her when they got back, when he got back. Uh, <laughs> yeah Yikes. not great but also it seems like something that gabby and eric could like talk about and like yeah. work through and also like i don't know i feel like i feel like i understand that when people are in bad places or having unhealthy self-destructive behavior patterns they're not saying exactly what they mean in text messages like mm-hmm. all the time like mm-hmm. i'm not like excusing it but to me it's like i understand the texts in like five minutes like i i look at those i look at eric i hear eric talk um i see what he's going through in his life and i'm like i don't need this like painted out <laughs> which like to me amplifies like you know the big oversight of the episode where i'm mm-hmm. like why do we need to spend so much time on these text messages he said things he didn't mean to someone he wasn't serious about or he was desperate to hang on to her or he couldn't right. stand the thought of being alone and wanted to be with someone right up until going to the show so he said whatever he had to to like keep mm-hmm. this girl like kind of that's real that's real. dangling that's real. for him yeah, like that's real. i don't know it it, yeah. it didn't seem yeah. like some vast mystery to me that required um articulation yeah no and i and my 
co-hosts of last week, um, Olivia and I were talking about, like, the way they could get through this was if he had told her about it early. Like, it sounds like he it, did. Like, and he did, yeah. And yeah. so we weren't sure then, of course. And so to see that that is the case, I was like, well, yeah, no, that tracks to me, you know. And I guess I'll give him that. He is, you know, he was being honest and authentic in that. And also smart enough to know that that's how you would get through something like this, you know, for better or for worse. Even if he is still, if he is fake and he is manipulating Gabby and other people, at least he, I mean, yeah, that's how you do it is you are upfront about that. And so it sounds like that's the case. And it sounds like Gabby, you know, and him have a, you know, they do have a relationship. That's some, that's, oh man, I just hate this. I hate this finale so much. The fact that I just literally said, sounds like they have a relationship like what the fuck it's like it looks like they can stand being around each other hooray (laughs) yay bar cleared yeah Yeah, i mean they do seem to have interpersonally like a good dynamic figured out doesn't mean i don't really want to be a fly on the wall to hear (laughs) like the conversations they had when the blackface photo leaked but like yeah yeah, like, I don't know. That That's yeah. another thing for me where I'm like, Gabby, like, oh, you like, you like deserve, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of what you should have a higher earlier. standard for yourself, mm-hmm. too, I yeah, feel like. 100%, yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, it does seem like Gabby's gone through a lot of therapy and she really does have a lot um, more like self-actualization in a lot of ways. And that's not, again, it's not a slight against Rachel. It's just the the difference in that. Um, Gabby definitely has more of that in some ways, but like she still is like, you know, worried about her worthiness of, you know, being loved and how to love in a healthy way. Which is relatable um, to me as somebody who has parental trauma and, um, um, you know, marital trauma. Uh, so I get it. And I think that that was relatable for sure. And it's sad. But it was just sad to watch that she still feels, you know, kind of felt so, like, unlovable, you know, even towards the end. And, I mean, it seems like it's working out. She's saying she has never been loved by somebody the way that he loves her. And I guess I just hope that's, you know, I hope that's true. And I hope that works out in that regard. But I just don't have faith in it, to be honest. Yeah. In my head, I'm picturing her playing tennis with Jason uh, Mm. (laughs) away from the cameras. (laughs) I know. No people magazine shoots. Um, there's an alternate. There's an alternate path, and I guess I don't know. We'll find out. I suppose it does seem like he really likes her, which mm-hmm. I don't know that we could say for like Tino and Rachel. Like mm-hmm. maybe they thought they loved each other, but it didn't seem like they even they really liked each other. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, so true. Wow, that yeah, that's beautifully said. <laughs> yeah, well, we can we can at least hang our hats on the fact that they like each other again. They can so sit on insane. a couch together. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Are the streets okay? No, they're not. Yeah, yeah, no. More more than anything, this season made me really worried about heterosexuality. Um. <laughs> I think it's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> is it Zach that's the Crypto King? Uh, or is that or was that another contestant? 
Can't tell you. Can't tell you. I don't know what Zach does. There was someone who was really into cryptocurrency out of all of them. But um, yeah, no, I just feel like we're we're treading into dangerous waters now, uh, which is why the show needs to pivot to being super gay. (laughs) Like, (laughs) let's let's steer into some safer territory. So true. (laughs) Where where people dating each other have slightly less like enmity. like. Like going into the equation, yeah. Oh my god. Um. Oh, I guess speaking of Zach, let's get into the final uh, talking piece of the evening, and then we'll wrap up. But so we were um, told um, without any, <laughs> without any say, without any say at all. Yeah, there was we not told... a vote in the car about yeah. what drive through yeah. we were going to. Mom just pulled straight into the Arby's. <laughs> Literally, Mom, I don't want this. Um, and we were told that uh, Zachary Shell Crass or Cross is our new bachelor. <sighs> Jesse Palmer, is that you? You that impression. Stop. Impeccable. Stop. Stop. Thank you. Um I hate it. No one wanted him. I okay, so like it's really funny because like everyone was so mad about Clayton for uh valid reasons. Um however, like what was wild about the Clayton of it all was that there were still plenty of people who like generally like, but he's like nice and funny and we we like him and like you know, like, he seems, like, friendly, and there's really, like, nothing quote-unquote wrong. We were only just, like, gen- only a certain section of Bachelor Nation was mad because they uh, didn't pick from the Final Four, which was all black men, which yeah. would have been, like, you know, like, so we were mad for, like, those reasons, and also we didn't know him. He was, like, love and place, all these different things, right? Um, but, like, the across-the-board annoyance from, like, conservative bachelor nation at zach being chose is blowing my mind i haven't seen like a rejection this total like with clayton i was like i really wish they had picked from the top four but at least it seems like he has some personality like the we got to see him on the viking date like he he yelled i was like at least there's him shouting let's go like he, he he showed some sign of like I don't know. And right. and in uh, the months since, I am kind of like a low-key, uh, crazy fan. I am just yeah, like no, they're cute as kind hell. of obsessed cute with as them. Hell. Exactly. But with, with Zach, it just feels like across the board, people are like, him? <laughs> like, <laughs> No, I'm telling you, I looked in the comments, like people who were like, people who are not leftist batch nation who's just mad because we're a bunch of snowflakes there's like people who are like absolutely why like no like no one believed his like crocodile tears no one is like into it it's wild is there something that the producers saw that we (sighs) didn't i don't (sighs) i'm no i'm wondering I know. Like, what is it? Like, what did you see? Like, I I get the joke is that he's just, like, another white man. They chose a white man over, like, Ethan, for example. Um, but but there were, other, there were other white men. Like, there were other white men you could have chosen, you know? 
There are, like, there were other white men in the franchise you could have chosen. Like, if, like, you had to be fucking racist about it, like, I can't, I'm just, like, I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, if they had to go that route, my route, my vote would have been go pay Peter Krause something and, like, have the opening segment be, like, I know he's been just, like, running a gym or something like that, but let's dramatize it, punch it up a little bit, and he have him come from, like, the wilderness and, like, (laughs) shave off, like, like an enormous beard and look at the camera and be like, I'm back. (laughs) I've been waiting this whole time. (laughs) No, literally. It's so funny. Um, So, yeah, people are pretty upset about it. And then, of course, you know, us at Roses for Everybody are a little annoyed by his um, PTC that he gave a couple weeks ago. But then also last night he was like, oh, yeah, I've been hitting the gym to get prepared. That conversation did, the earlier one, made me uncomfortable and definitely, like, made me think about Roses for Everybody because I was like, ooh, this is, like, like, even if this is his truth internally, like, broadcasting it like this is, like, sending a really bad message of, like, to be whole, you need to, like, look like, look like this, um, you know? I don't know. No, I mean, that is, that's what we've been trying to say. It has absolutely nothing to do with Zach. This is on every season for the last, like, six seasons, pretty much. Close to it is this kind of narrative. This is the only narrative they've ever showed us about somebody being fat previously. Yeah. Truly. It's said different ways, but it's always, I am now thinner and now I am happier. Yeah. That is the only narrative we get. And so it's just like, just so frustrating that that's is the one that they chose. And then like, we've, we, we do internally have the conversation of like, maybe uh, Zach has more to say on the matter and they edited him weird. And that this is not actually like truly all of what he feels. Like, I do believe that we can give this man a benefit of the doubt for this aspect of it. But, I mean, I just want to see that. Like, I need to hear him talk about that. I want to, like, see the show acknowledge that this is not the narrative that, you know, I don't know. But it's just, like, so disheartening. And, um, yeah, it's just disheartening. Makes me nervous, too, for the season. Because, like, you know, if if he has not kind of like evolved in his thinking about the subject since going through his own like experience of mm-hmm. weight loss, um, like will he project that onto contestants yeah. if they have more body diversity in the contestant pool That's this season, worry. which hopefully That's they do. Yeah. Like, We're very worried about that. (laughs) You know, someone can have the experience that he had and get to this more kind of like evolved place of like, well, that doesn't mean that like I can't date someone who is plus size or that everyone has the same relationship to their body that like I do. But I mean, so soon after that experience and so soon after articulating it in that way, I yeah, it makes me a little... On edge. And, and again, I, I, I think that there's room that he might have gotten a lot more involved with this. Like, the, and the yeah. show just didn't show us that. Um, and they and they cut his conversation in a way, you know, because I do think part of the conversation was he was just, he was genuinely talking about his mental health and going yeah. to therapy and getting, and getting, like, healthy in that way. So I believe that that is true and that's not a bad thing. 
Um, it's just the way that the show also showed it to us is that it was correlated to the fact that he was overweight or to his words, mind you, yeah. I don't like that word. Um, so I just can't imagine that they're not going to like suddenly, I just, I just hope, I hope, I hope they, they have, are taking in this information and Jesse Palmer, I know you told me that you loved me last night, but I need you to listen to me. <laughs> I, I just, I hope now that they cast, uh, very interesting fascinating diverse set of contestants because what we did see of zach was it gave me cause for concern it was like watching a cardboard cutout out there (laughs) i was like did we not do zip zap zop with uh zach like before we started filming did we not have him say red leather yellow leather in a mirror like a few times like he just seemed so stiff and you had you had at least a few days to like uh, running through some improv exercises or something. <laughs> he just seems stiff as a board literally, up there. Literally, literally. Oh god, it's so funny. Um, the final thing I will say, and I will probably talk about it later, but in, in later, and I mean like the um in the in the world with the campaign, etc., is that if they have some larger women on this season, they will probably have to bear the burden of the emotional labor of explaining how that isn't the only narrative for uh, people who are larger. So I do think that, and while I don't like the fact that they will have to burden that labor, um, we, we as a community will be there to support them. Um, but also that is part of our mission is like to have people on there to talk about the different experiences. So I don't think all hope is lost. If we, if this is the combination we have going into the season with a more diverse cast, and this individual's story, I don't think all hope is lost. I think there is an opportunity for there to be a good dialogue about how there are different experiences. So that's that's the positive spin that Jenna yeah. is going to give right now. And other than that, fuck everybody. I mean, the, I think like there's opportunity there because as contestants recite their ptcs or their Mm -hmm. past traumas often the lead reciprocates by saying their own so zach Mm -hmm. is going to have to practice like talking about that experience and like i like there's an opportunity there with the expanded runtime airtime and the power of being the lead to like use that position and that platform to like talk about that story in a way that doesn't come across as like I was fat so I was unhappy then I wasn't Mm -hmm. fat and that's the reason why I was happy without running that through any sort of social filtering or yeah yeah. truly truly that's a good yeah so we we can hope for that that's the positive spin we're having on that um and yeah and I hope that Jesse Palmer is listening (laughs) Do you think he listens to any of the podcasts? I don't know, but I hope he I think he's does. too happily married a man to be listening to podcasts. <laughs> he's a happily married man. Um, that was very funny how they rushed to that wedding. Mm. <laughs> yeah, good times. Um, well, Samantha, this has been amazing. This uh, has been so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed talking to you about all these things, and I really think uh, our listeners will take a lot from this, and I think, I, I mean, I, I always say this, but I always just feel better after I <laughs> recap a finale, because I'm just like, oh, I get it out of my chest, and I feel 
like I went to therapy in a way, you know, like, ah, it's fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah, it's catharsis. It's part of what I appreciate about both The Bachelor and horror movies is that when when it's over, like, it's over. Like, this, the second they get engaged and, like, shoot that, like, five-minute segment of them, like, looking at the camera being like, we're engaged. They're like, okay, camera's off. Like, this is all the money we have. Bye. <laughs> and in horror movies, similarly, like, once everybody but one person dies, they're like, that's it. That's all we have for you. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to just kind of, like, yeah, try to try to put it behind us. Obviously, the troubling issues that the show has raised and continues to raise will linger and hang over multiple seasons. But at least mostly this cast of people, these names, yeah, Godspeed. Kind of, Godspeed. We can, yeah, exactly. We can we can put it to bed a little bit. Um, until Paradise comes next week. Uh, yeah, good oh, times. No. Well, That's so soon. Oh, I know. I didn't realize. Stop. I literally was, like, talking to my boss today, and she was like, how are you? And I was like, I'm really tired. Um, uh, there was a three-hour finale last night. I'm, like, a mess. And she was like, she used to watch a little bit in the past, so she's like, oh, so sorry. It was so long and horrible, but, you know, because it's the finale, that means you have a break, right? And I just started, I almost started <laughs> crying. I was like, I don't have a break. Oh, my God. Is it starting later this year than in past years? Yes, yes, Like, yes, we are yes. deep in pumpkin spice latte yeah. season. Yeah, I'm, right like, literally going to be wearing a sweater while I'm watching people in bikinis, and I do not feel okay about that. Yeah, I mean, arguably, it's good, like, counter-programming for this season, but I still True. liked it when it captured, like, a little bit of that last week of summer vibe. Agreed. 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 But, you know, I had no, I guess, no point in complaining about it now. Um, And we just have to fucking go through it all. But I'm excited. It'll be fun. And I hope to have you back, maybe, to talk about one of those episodes or uh future the the next season um i would love that i love this show i hate the show i will never watch again i will die watching this show (laughs) (laughs) all of these statements are true (laughs) um where can people find more of your writing and find patricia wants to cuddle and um just engage with you in other ways that you want them to engage with you sure patricia wants to cuddle is in bookstores and libraries and online retailers i'd love if you supported your local independent bookstore Mm -hmm. and got it from there um also as an author uh i am struggling so buy it anywhere (laughs) if if you like simply cannot bring yourself to support your local independent bookstore um i understand uh the audio version has a full cast it has like five narrators like one for each point of view i've heard that's a really delightful way to experience the book um apart from that i'm on twitter at sla writes um and i uh do a lot of editing for a condi nast website called them so if you like lgbtq news and such and entertainment and celebrity Mm. gossip and all of that good queer nonsense um go to them.us a little a little plug for the day job please Uh, yes i will definitely um in the stories i will link uh the article that you interviewed danica and i and other uh bachelor nation commentators on it's a good read if you haven't it's and it's very appropriate right now (laughs) 
That was a fun one because I had to convince, um, I'm an editor there, but there are editors, you know, above me. We all have people above us in this great chain of being that we call capitalism. And I had to like convince them. I was like, no, there's a queer angle here. Like we can still run a bachelor feature on a LGBTQ website. Like, <laughs> please trust me. <laughs> so true. And, and I, we, true. we pulled it off. We got it on, it. on, on, uh, on Condé Nast. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) digital paper yeah oh truly um so yeah everyone make sure you go ahead and follow samantha and buy patricia wants to cuddle at your local bookstore i will put links as well in the in the the stories and um other than that y'all just make sure you drink a little water this weekend relax maybe try to take a little bit of time off bachelor nation uh social media so that you can prepare your body and soul for next week's paradise um we will be back to recap that and um get into more chaos and continue to pressure this franchise to do better and with that uh thank you again samantha thank you this has been dream come true oh thank you. i'm really glad we, we finally got to do this and uh yeah thank you to everyone listening love you bye bye Thank you for listening to Descartes Pod. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Descartes Pod and follow your hosts at Jenna with a Smile and at Drunk Feminist. Descartes Pod is produced by Andrew Olson. You can follow him on Instagram at Androne. Our music is by Jet Overly. Follow and support him on Instagram at Jetty Boy James. And our logo design is by Michaela Jane. You can find her work at MichaelaJane.com and on Instagram at Michaela Jane. Drop a review on iTunes if you're nasty like that. Bye. Bye! Oh, hello. It's me, the ghost who haunts your phone. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a thing that I do. A podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all. Don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you. Shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents. Mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and googas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is as above, so below. <laughs>